0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you're listening. Welcome back to AI and the Future of Work. This is your host, Dan Turchin, advisor at Insight Finder, the System of Intelligence for IT Operations, and CEO of PeopleRain, the AI platform for IT and HR employee service. Thanks again to all of you, our listeners, for making this one of the most downloaded podcasts about the future of work. If you enjoy what we do, please like, comment, and share in your favorite podcast app and we will keep bringing you great conversations like the one we have lined up for today, ad-free. Conversational AI is so much more than it looks. Siri and Alexa perform thousands of skills effortlessly with the help of armies of developers and petabytes of training data. People ask questions in myriad ways. They have accents, they're in noisy rooms, they misspell words when they're typing, They ask unrelated follow up questions. Very few enterprise first companies can deliver on the promise of NLP because they lack training data. Those that do typically focus on narrow domains and often hire teams of linguists skilled in specific fields. Conversations with bots at work will become commonplace, but only when some hard technical problems get solved. We're still decades away from what we call. AGI, Artificial General Intelligence, but arguably narrow AI is here today. Today's guest is the CEO of one of the most successful conversational AI companies. Phil Heldewig. started Cognigy in November of 2016 and has since raised $55 million over a couple rounds to develop a low-code platform for contact center automation using conversational AI. He's grown the team to about 100 people from his home base in Dusseldorf, Germany. Cognigy sits squarely at the intersection of all the things we care about on this show, namely AI and the future of work. I've been really looking forward to this discussion with Phil. Without further ado, Phil, welcome to the podcast. Let's get started by uh, having you share a little bit about uh, your background and how you got into this space.
1: Perfect. Thanks, uh, thanks, Dan. My name's Phil, and uh, as you said, I'm the CEO and one of the three co-founders of Cognigy, a conversational AI company from Germany. I uh, I come from the enterprise software space. I previously worked for a company called Sidecore and um, built up that company um, with a team from Denmark around the world until we got acquired in, in 2016. And whilst it was a great experience, I never really woke up in the morning and thought web content management man that that's something that really gets me going now i was very fortunate during the um acquisition and exit process i was contacted by one of my co-founders sasha Pokeman, who sent me a message on the german version of linkedin called sing asking me and we did not know each other asking me if uh, we would meet and if he could pitch me his his startup idea because he was moving to dusseldorf and um, he was wondering whether I could uh, just network with him and give him some input on on the idea that he had. And the idea that he had was essentially a smart home control device, so, so a smart a device that you can control with your voice and that lets you control smart home devices, similar to what an Alexa would do. Or Alexa is doing these days, but um, specifically target at the German and surrounding markets with a specific privacy requirements, etc. Now I thought, okay, that's really cool because I'm a I'm a sci-fi fan, right? I like Star Wars, I like Star Trek, and if you if you look at these shows uh, and these movies, like people are controlling things in the future supposedly, since they're obviously science fiction movies via voice, right? They're interacting with computers using natural language, and they're no longer using a mouse a mouse and keyboard. So I found that a a very interesting value proposition. And we got together and and looked at different use cases and we saw amazon coming into the market with alexa so we thought okay maybe they are going to tweak their platform in a way that is also usable in germany so maybe the smartphone control device is not what we should be doing
0: we looked at a healthcare
1: device we could be doing that would keep older people company and remind them to take medicines etc but we thought well maybe there are some liability issues there if, if we if our things that we built recommend to take medicines at the wrong times, etc. So that's too, too dangerous. So we settled on a speaking teddy bear. Now, why a speaking teddy bear? And are we here today to talk about a speaking teddy bear? No, we're not. But I think if you understand why we wanted to build the bear, you understand much better why we are where we're at now. So we settled on a teddy bear because we thought if, in order for a kid to have fun with that speaking teddy bear, the teddy bear must be able to hold a coherent conversation. The teddy bear must know who is the person I'm speaking to. Is it Lily or is it Max? If it's Lily, the the bear must know, okay, it's Lily's birthday in three days. So when Lily comes home and goes like, hey, bear, I'm home, maybe the bear could say, oh, hey, Lily, how was school? And are you looking forward to your birthday in three days? Right. So that's something we call user context. We have context about the person we're interacting with. We then also wanted the bear to have Um, what we call session context. So if Lily says, hey, um, let's play the math game or let's play a game, let's say, and we just played the math game, maybe we don't play the math game again. Maybe we say, hey, we just played the math game. How How about the word game or something like that? So we have user context, we have session context, and we have, of course, understanding of what people are saying in general. So we thought this is an interesting AI problem to tackle. And we actually, um, we bought a bear and it's actually sitting here in the office. We cut it open, we built a little computer in a Raspberry Pi with a microphone and speaker. And then it came to the AI portion, right? Because the hardware was, was the easy part. Now, how do we get the smarts into the bear? And we decided to use an existing platform for conversational AI at the time. Um, I don't know if I can name which one it was, but it was one of the platforms that did a lot of ads out there and a lot of ads that don't necessarily portray the platform in the right way. And um, so we tried it and we figured out, okay, it's it's not really doing what we want. And then we tried uh, other big platforms that existed in the market at the time. And none of these platforms could actually do these things. They didn't have user context. They had very limited session context they did not have graphical tools to actually build up the conversations, right? And of course, we weren't just going to build the bear. We're gonna build a, I don't know, a speaking Yoda and a speaking Barbie, et cetera, et cetera. So our armies of content authors that we were gonna hire needed some graphical tool set in order to build up these conversations. So we said, you know what? It doesn't exist. We're just gonna build it ourselves still for our toy empire for the bear. And then we built version one of it. And we showed it to um, friends and family and, and business contacts that we knew from our past. And they said, you know, guys, this is amazing, but you really shouldn't be building a bear. You should be building the software and sell it so that others can build a bear or a bot, a voice bot, a chat bot, or whatever they really want. And um, that's when we did the, uh, the much talked about pivot. Uh, it was very early on in the company. And uh, we decided to build an enterprise-focused conversational AI platform for service automation. And it's funny what you said earlier, that the topic is the the future of work, because our stated company vision is to create a world in which conversational AI works alongside human workers and leading enterprises globally. And whilst we are focusing very much on the customer, um, customer service area at the moment, because that's where we are seeing high volumes and high need for automation, we also have a lot of projects in HR, in finance, in legal, etc. So the narrow AI being omnipresent in the enterprise is not something that's 10, 20 years away, but it's something that can already exist, and more and more enterprises around the world are picking that up. So yeah, I'm super excited to be here today and, and talk to you about that topic.
0: So is it OK if I contact Hasbro and see if uh, they want to have Teddy Ruxpin sponsor this uh, episode? Is that be right? <laughs> Sure, why not? <laughs> Haven't uh, thought about that one since the 80s, but uh, sounds like you, you were smart to uh, pivot. Now, one of the things that always <laughs> fascinates me as we uh, interview very successful CEOs and, and entrepreneurs is understanding what has surprised them most about the entrepreneurial journey. So before we get into more detail about the Cognigy technology in the business, what, uh, what has surprised you most about your entrepreneurial journey?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. Like when I was at Sidecore, we were all entrepreneurs as well, but I was not the CEO and I was not the founder of the company. So in a way, I had, a, I had an easier time, right? I also didn't carry the risk that these guys were, were carrying. And then when I, when I started the company together with Sasha and Benny, our so head of engineering, um, I learned that many of the things you have heard successful entrepreneurs say are extremely true right and especially the things around founding and running a company can give you the the most amazing feelings of success like the mo- like i was sometimes driving home from work whistling in my car because i was so happy because we closed another big customer but then you also especially in the beginning you have nights where you literally don't sleep because the one big customer you banked your whole cash flow on has, is not paying their bills. And you're wondering how you can pay your developers. Those are experiences I did not have uh, before running my own company. Now, luckily, the, the cash flow problem uh, went away, of course, uh, now that we're a lot bigger. But still, um, you, you read those things where Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, they tell others about the, the the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. And you always think like, yeah, yeah, they just say that, right? Because it sounds cool. But what surprised me most is that uh, most of that is actually, uh, is actually true. And um, yeah, it's an interesting journey. That's for sure. But it's, it's, um, I I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. That's, that's also for sure.
0: Every entrepreneur out there is smiling and nodding their heads as you talk about the sleepless nights and uh, you know, it, it truly is a cliche, but the the lows are low, but man, the highs are so high, aren't they? Exactly. (laughs) That's right. And I mentioned in the, uh, in the open are some of the complexities or the challenges of deploying conversational AI specifically in the enterprise. And specifically in the domain that you focused on, kind of context center management using conversational AI, you have this additional burden, I would think, in that consumers are so jaded by the awful experiences that we have most of the time with our airlines, our banks, our credit card companies. How do you overcome the hurdle? It feels like your job is twice as hard because the expectations are so low, it's true. And I mean, uh,
1: of course, it was also one one of the reasons why we then uh, we then pivoted and wanted to get into this business, right? Because the expectations are so low, so you can only you can actually almost only do better than uh, than how other companies have done in the space. But I think, I mean, firstly. Through the advent of technologies like Siri and Alexa, people have learned how to communicate with these types of uh, narrow AIs that we're using at the moment, right? No one's really coming in and and using very wild words and things that that an AI would not understand, but people know how to phrase things, so that, that made things easier. But I also think, so let's take an airline. I read an article the other day in the Wall Street Journal where it was talked about that the wait time sometimes exceeds five hours On the phone before you speak with with a customer service agent even if it's not five hours but if it's 30 minutes i mean if i give you the choice you can sit there for 30 minutes and you can listen to some music that you really don't want to listen to or you wait for 30 seconds an ai comes in and it goes like hey um there's an approximate wait time of 30 minutes i'm an ai i can try to help you i can help with many things so why don't we try it out then you say, well, I want to cancel my I want to cancel my booking. Okay, perfect. I can help you with that. What's your booking number? What's your date of birth? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's your flight uh, going from Newark to San Francisco tomorrow at 10.30 a.m. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, if you want to cancel that flight, it's a, whatever, $50 uh, cancellation fee. Um, are you sure you want to proceed? Then please confirm with yes. Yes. Okay so these types of things can nowadays be handled by these types of voice bots and of course also chat bots if it's not on the voice line but on chat channels right so we're no longer in in a world where these bots can only show you uh, funny images and and give you information that's encapsulated in the bot itself but they can actually interact with backend systems in real time and and fulfill complete transactions and now again coming to this to the premise that, that I that I talked about earlier, well, you can either wait for thirty minutes, and you're only being helped after thirty minutes, or you can wait for one minute, talk to the bot, and what what's the what's the worst outcome you can have? Well, is that you wait for thirty minutes? So you can really only win, right? I think another fault that uh, or mistake that was made in the past was that companies just deployed the bot. Right. Oftentimes as chatbots, like, okay, we put a chatbot on the website, that's it. And nowadays, I think companies have also gotten a lot smarter about this. They are deploying a bot that if it cannot um, understand the human, it can either in the background hand over to a human that helps the bot get over that hurdle and then hand back to the bot. Or it can hand the whole conversation to a human operator If necessary, because in the end, it's not about a bot, it's not about the human, it's about the service experience. The service experience has to be good. And it's not good if you speak to a bot that doesn't understand you and you're stuck with the bot, right? Obviously, that's not good. It's good if you get help quickly. And whether that's a combination of AI or humans, or whether it's just handing over to humans and it asks you maybe it asks you three questions and then hands you over to a human, which helps the human uh, tackle your case quicker, doesn't really matter. So I think in a way, we've become as, as consumers, we've become more adept in knowing how to communicate with these types of automations. As enterprises, we've become more adept in knowing how to actually deploy them hand in hand with human operators. And I think that's the key. These systems are not here to replace humans completely. They're here to actually lend a hand, right? And help these operators um, handle the customer cases quicker.
0: Now. Nope. We've all been trained to speak to live agents, and we've all been trained to do keyword searches in Google. The interesting thing is that the experience of interacting with a, with a virtual agent or a chat bot is, kind of sits in like this swishy middle. Like, you know, yes. how, how do you see the process of training consumers to speak to virtual agents, which presumably is going to be commonplace in the next decade, but just, you know, it's kind of a nascent concept today.
1: Well, I would even go one step further. When uh, when our customers build a, a chatbot and put it out for testing, the, the sentences people say to this bot for testing are completely unrelated to the use case the bot is actually handling. So let's say you have a bot. Let's just stick with the airline example, right? That can do rebookings, it can do cancellations, it can answer questions about COVID um, uh, measures on a on plane, et cetera, et cetera. People will come in and say, uh, when when's Barack Obama's birthday? Right. And, and, and expect the bot to know the answer. And then they go, the bot doesn't work. Yeah. Why doesn't it work? Yeah. It doesn't know when Barack Obama's birthday is. Okay. When was the last time you called an airline operator and asked them when Barack Obama's birthday is? I mean, seriously, it doesn't make any sense, but it's this kind of and, and, and that, that's the that's the downside of being called AI. And you, you brought it up earlier, AGI, out of general intelligence. Because you think, okay, it's AI, I can ask it anything, right? So, and, and that's what you can do with the likes of Alexa, et cetera, although Alexa cannot rebook your ticket, right? So it's a it's, it's, a, it's a difference. Now, your question was, they um, we have Google with the keywords and then we have the live, the live agents and then the bots uh, sit somewhere in the middle, right? Now, of course, the, the technology we're using goes far beyond uh, just keyword spotting, right? It's using machine learning models to really understand the context of human speech and then figure out the so called intents of what the user wants. Now, what we say is um, we should always guide the user to have a positive experience because you will never be able to build a bot that can do everything, right? Like I just said, like maybe it doesn't know about Barack Obama's birthday, or maybe even if it's an airline bot, maybe it cannot add your uh you, your miles uh, card to your booking or something like this maybe it cannot do it, every single thing so you should guide the user right if it's chat it's easy you just go like hey i'm your airline bot i can help you with this one two three four five whatever right if it's a voice bot you can do something similar you can say uh, hey uh, I'm, I'm your voice bot to help you with rebookings uh, cancellations uh, what can i help you with Right? so i think we need to provide a little bit more guidance than uh, than in in the google field and of course also in the um in the life agent case because the live agents will simply be because they're humans able to understand everything and then um, will be able to help you hopefully better
0: so you casually tossed out two features of the Cognigy platform being able to understand user context and session context and um, well first of all I mean, those are incredibly hard problems to solve in NLP and m- maybe first Give a couple examples, share with the audience what, what it means, and then um, ask a couple follow-up questions after that. But, but those, are, uh, yeah. those are really big achievements, and we would love to know how mature that technology is that you've developed.
1: The thing is that you don't have to solve everything with AI or machine learning technology, right? The, the AI portion of conversational AI is really classifying the inputs against a machine learning model that has been created by the enterprise Using that technology. So, the, the way that it works in Cognitive Cognigy is being delivered with what we call base models. Those are language specific base models, German, English, Chinese, Japanese, et cetera. We support more than 100 languages. And then the company deploying the technology, so let's say uh, United Airlines or Lufthansa or whatever, they build um, use case specific models on top of our models by providing example sentences. Now, so how can a user say, I want to cancel my booking? I can't make my flight, I want to cancel my booking, I need a refund for my ticket, whatever, right? So you give these different examples of how they can say things. Then we use our proprietary machine learning technology to calculate a new machine learning model out of our base models and the data that has been given. And then someone comes in and says, um, uh, I really need to uh, return my ticket. And then our, our model will, even though this was not an example, will be able to understand that, okay, with a high likelihood, it means uh, I uh, want to cancel my booking, right? So that, that's how this how this technology works. Now, things like user context and session context are actually not as magical, although the, the service you're able to deliver through them um, seems magical. Like, let's say you're calling in, and um, you want to cancel the booking? You authenticate, and then um, something goes wrong, and maybe you accidentally hang up. Okay, what we could remember is that okay, we were just we were going to cancel Dan's uh, ticket, and this call was at 5:30 um, p.m., and this was the ticket, etc., etc. So when you're calling back in, we could go like, oh, hey, Dan, uh, sorry, we just lost you. Is this about uh, the ticket cancellation? Right, so that's the user context because we knew. Okay, what was the last thing that Dan did? Or maybe going to a different example, maybe you're filing a support ticket somewhere, and then you're calling back a day later. We could greet you with, "Oh, hey, Dan, this is about the support ticket you filed with us yesterday." Uh, Yes, it is. Okay, you were speaking with Paul. Would you like to speak with Paul again? Right. Maybe we check whether first we check whether Paul's available, and then the bot can say, "Do you want to talk to um, talk to Paul again?" Right. But in the end, that is, uh, that is regular programming, right? It's not AI-based, but still, the and, and I think that is the key when you have an enterprise conversational AI platform. You take these machine learning and AI capabilities and you mash them up with, with regular programming techniques and just smart concepts. And all of this together brings about this experience that is outstanding and that actually helps bring about the service experience.
0: So going back to the uh, teddy bear days, what uh... What problem that you've solved in the AI, ML, NLP world um, are, are you most proud of, or has has surprised you most in terms of how complex it was? This
1: can be answered in two ways, right? The one is um, from a machine learning perspective. The thing that I'm most proud of what we as Cognitive have achieved from a machine learning perspective is that we are outscoring even the models of Google, Microsoft and IBM when it comes to third party uh, tests of our um, machine learning model precision. Right. And I think people always say, how is that even possible? These companies have much more data than you have. These companies have probably thousands more machine learning um, data scientists than you have but i think it is because we are laser focused on what we are doing here right and you can see that often i mean how was it possible that salesforce outgunned to microsoft when it came to crm or an sap right because they were laser focused on what they're doing so i think the the young agile startups that are super focused will always outperform the big players so that that's what i'm most proud of in in regards to the machine learning achievements what i'm most proud of in general, is that we took a very complex topic, which is natural language understanding and its applicability in the service world. And we packaged it into a low-code tool set that makes it extremely accessible. We hear this from our customers over and over again. And they say, this is the first time that we don't just theoretically talk about machine learning and AI but that we can actually just sit down and within the first 30 minutes of training on your tool, we actually build something with AI that we can play with and try out, right? And it's fun doing that, right? I, I build bots on the, on the weekends sometimes just for fun because it's a fun thing to do. You have this tool set and you, we've taken something that is very complex and we've made it very accessible for business users and not extremely technical users, right? And I think that is really also
0: the 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 reason behind our success. I love that you pivoted away from the focus on the hard NLP problem and focused on the user experience problem. That's really what you're most proud of. I think few uh, few tech vendors in conversational AI would feel most proud of that user experience they've created.
1: But in the end, in the end, that, that's what it's always about, right? I mean, why do why do we love uh, iPhones right the user experience is great the the technology that's powering that and I mean obviously I don't know the iPhone source code but there's no magic to it right but uh, they've put a lot of effort into making the user experience great and that's why it's such a successful product and I think that's true uh, that's true for most of the products we love and especially in, in these days now like we are we're very focused on great user experience, not, not just us bringing out uh, Cognigy AI as a platform, but actually every user is very focused on that, right? If you have a PS5, you expect it to have a great user interface and great usability. And, and that's, that's true for everything. It's true for your car by now, right? Look at what, what um, Tesla did to the car industry. Now, now everyone has these digital screens and all that because we just uh, come to expect that. And the same is now true for enterprise software. No one wants these legacy experiences from the, from the early 90s
0: anymore. You probably know that as well as anyone from your Sitecore days, right? Nobody, uh, nobody loved using web content management tools. They just had to, right? That's right. But you have to say Sitecore, Sitecore was always a couple of steps ahead when it came to
1: usability, right? Um, and, but you're right. There was a lot of vendors in the market at the time that did not focus on that. Right, and they um, eventually went away, and I think that's um that's true for almost uh, any software these days.
0: I recall the abominable user experience of using like an early like a Drupal or uh, yeah, you exactly. know something like that where you know you just uh, you, you just rue the day when you have to go in and write some yes. code in Drupal. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean,
1: that, even the big companies like, let's take Microsoft. Microsoft is a good example. Microsoft's usability um, was lacking uh, for a very long time, whereas now uh, I think they've transformed themselves completely, right? And they've seen a massive uh, uptake of their, of their products and also the popularity that these products have. Microsoft Teams, the whole Office suite online, et cetera, et cetera. So usability, user experience is, uh, is, is definitely key.
0: We talk a lot on this show about the intersection of AI data and what we call responsible use of data uh, through the application of AI. Question for you. So at Cognigy, what could go wrong if the organization, you know, was not exercising kind of responsible AI? For example, if models were getting trained because presumably there are you know, certain dialects that are or accents that are less represented in the training data. And all of a sudden, you know, those with those accents were less likely to be able to have a successful experience, you know, rebooking an air and, you know, a flight. Um, how do you think about that both from a technology perspective, but also from the perspective of how to deploy these technologies that are gonna be used globally, you know, by, by large brands and, you know, millions of potentially millions of consumers. What responsibility does your organization have for the uh, for, for for how these models are trained with potentially biased uh, samples of data. Yeah, so we uh, we
1: actually got a certification around that uh, the BSI AAC4 certification that looks at how the models are built, etc. And what came out of that was something that we of course already knew that the problem of bias exists only in a very limited way in in conversational AI because bias comes into play when you have something let's say um credit risk analysis right and then you you put in your um, i don't know your, your skin color or whatever and then you, you get a, a different rating because of that and that should not be the case right so that is uh, that is obviously bias that's in these models that should not exist now with conversational ai that is um it's not that important because conversational ai works on the written word not the spoken word, we'll come to that in a sec, works on the written word. And the written word is uh, almost always um, written in in the correct form, in in the high language form. So let's just say, um, it doesn't matter if you're from Liverpool, Manchester, or London, whilst you are speaking very different, you're writing the same English, right? Or whether you're American or British, apart from using Z and S, sometimes differently you write the same uh, you write the same english now so there's also very little bias in that the interesting part is when it comes to applications in the contact center and um, firstly the the speech to text component sometimes it's also called asr automatic speech recognition which turns the spoken word into text now this is where dialects become problematic because what what comes out of the um, speech to text engine is always going to be well formatted uh, written text. Yeah, so it's, there's no typos or anything in that. But um, the it there might some mumbo mumbo jumbo might come out because it doesn't understand your accent, right? So you will be prevented even from from using that technology. So you have to look at it as a chain. The audio stream is, is coming in. The audio stream is converted into text. Then the natural language understanding algorithms that we have work on that text. Um, we define a reply. This is then turned into speech again, and that is then outputted to the customer. Now, all of these components must work well in order to have a good service experience. And it's a it's actually a, an, an interesting problem, the, um, the accent problem. And there are companies like Sanas in uh, in um, actually where you're based in Silicon Valley That is tackling exactly that problem where they have accent removal technology so your audio stream comes in they remove your accent from your speech turning it into i don't know if that's what it's called in english but high high english standard english that then is shot against the speech to text algorithm and then the output is shot against uh, against cognitive to remove that barrier right so the bias that can exist or I don't know if we can call it bias, but the, the, the prevention of uh, being able to, or inability to use the, the, the bot successfully because of your accent in the spoken word is something that um, needs to be fixed by the speech to text engines that are being used like Google, Google Cloud, uh, Microsoft Azure, or IBM.
0: Fast forward, let's say a decade and Cognigy is wildly successful. It's achieved yours and your co-founder's vision from the perspective of a consumer, how, does, how is the world a different place when, when this technology is uh, ubiquitous? I think we will see, um,
1: we'll see the advent of AR glasses, for example, like we're now being talked about from Apple and others. So these will have uh, probably microphones, speakers as well. Right, We will be carrying around devices whether it's in the form of a smartphone like now or ai glasses or whatever with us at all times that we will and we will be able to communicate with conversational ais wherever we are if we want right like we can now do in a limited fashion with the likes of alexa etc it will be it will be everywhere i think uh, maybe kids will walk through a through a zoo and they will be able to ask hey what's this what's that and uh, why does a horse have uh, four legs, right? And then maybe the AI's can answer that. But of course, the biggest impact we'll see, I think, is, is, in, is in the workplace. Um, if you are a, if you're someone operating a train, if you are someone um, uh, like if you're a police officer, if you're in the in the military, if literally any job will be touched by conversational AI, right? Because we will we will get access to timely information in the most natural way that we as humans know which is either um, spoken or written word right we will be supported by conversational ais uh, in in business meetings whether we sit in sales meetings maybe i don't have to enter the crm and go to the search function and then find the forecast for apac for q2 maybe i can just say hey salesbot, pop the the forecast on the screen and boom there it is right and so i I meant apac and just q2 and boom there it is whether that's in uh, in hr where conversational ai is maybe listening in and giving uh, some uh, some help to the to the um, hr administrators whether that's in finance we believe according to our vision there will be a world in which conversational AI works alongside human workers, leading enterprises globally. And that will be in literally every business function. It will make our lives, uh, our lives a lot easier in many ways.
0: Love the vision. We should all be rooting for you to succeed. It's a, that's a, that's a world I want to live in. Now I got to get you off the uh, hot seat, Phil, but, uh, but not without answering one last question. So roll back the uh, clock, let's say five years to when you and your co-founders are just getting started. What's your coaching to a younger version of yourself or, you know, based on what you've learned, uh, what would you have done differently?
1: I think I would rather give some coaching to others that are just starting out because, I mean, what would I have done differently? I can answer that one as well. And I think that's also coaching for others. Be more focused. When we brought out the Cognitive Conversational AI platform at the beginning, we said, okay, you can use this for chatbots, you can use it for voice bots, you can use it to power virtual reality characters, you can use it to power robots, you can build it into cars, et cetera, et cetera. So when we visited prospects, potential customers, we showed them this whole range of things you can do with the technology. And then they didn't buy anything because they couldn't really focus on, okay, what business problem is this solving for me? We then later focused on uh, um, customer and employee service automation and we became wildly successful through that focus. So I think that focus is super important. Now, something uh, which I don't need to tell my five, uh, five year ago self, but which I want to tell every other young entrepreneur out there is uh, something that probably every entrepreneur says as well, don't listen to the naysayers. We have met so many people on our path where we, we introduced our technology to uh, big players early on. And everyone said like kids, you know, just, just don't do that. You're not going to be successful with that. It's a waste of your time. You'll, you'll just be frustrated, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, now some of these uh, people are applying with us uh, for jobs. So it's, uh, it's never true if you have a vision and if you believe in it, then keep fighting for it. And even if you fail, you're going to learn so much anyways, but most likely you're not going to fail. So stick to it and never be afraid of the big guys because
0: uh, they were small at one point and uh,
1: you can be one of the big guys too.
0: So much entrepreneurial wisdom bottled up in that statement, right? Just look forward. You, you will get the last laugh. Believe in, uh, in your gut instinct. Well said. Hey, Phil, we're, uh, we're out of time. Um, Anything, uh, that our guests should know about where to learn more about Cognigy or uh, any place you want to direct them to for uh, further learning?
1: Yeah, we have a lot of uh, of material on our website. We have a showcases section, which is very interesting, I think. So if you need some inspiration of what you can do with conversational AI, you can head to www.cognigy.com and um, yeah, obviously there's a contact us form. We have uh, uh, people all around the world in our offices, in, in APAC, in the Americas, and uh, of course, also in, in mainland Europe and the UK. So if you're interested in learning more, then uh, feel free to reach out and uh, we'd, uh, we'd love to hear from you.
0: Well, on behalf of everyone listening, thank you for uh, helping me rebook my flights, because it's a lot more valuable than having a, a teddy bear remember my birthday. Good stuff. Well. Phil, that's all the time we have. Thanks for stopping by. It's been a great conversation and uh, maybe you'll come back sometime and uh, give us an update.
1: Sounds great. I'd love to. Thank you very much.
0: Uh, This is Dan Turchin, your host of AI and the Future of Work, signing off for this week, but uh, back next week with another fascinating guest.